Wow. <laughs> you can listen. Hopefully, it's not too low. Can you hear yourself? Yeah, weird. No, you sound great. <laughs> okay, this is good. I'm ready. Sorry, I do like warm up exercises. <laughs> Hi, everyone. It's Bundle of Hers, and this is her Jeet, and this is my identity episode, and I thought it would be wonderful to have a guest that I just met a couple of months ago, and I'll have her introduce herself. Hi, everyone. My name is Ciala Tealpa. Um, I'm a first year at the U, and I met her Jeet just, I don't know, here at school. So I saw a post that you had put up on your Instagram that was shared at the school's page, and in it, you talked a lot about where you come from and your journey to get here. And I really connected with what you had said. And I was like, I want to be her friend. I always tell Busha and Lean and like Margo, I'm like, I want to be this person's friend good just because they seem so cool. Like, I want them in my life. And so I remember talking about you with them. And then I had requested you on Instagram. And that's kind of how we got in touch. Yeah, I remember feeling like oh, I was so neat. She reached out to me. I'd shared this post and after that first week of med school, like prior to the white coat ceremony, I was feeling a bit insecure and kind of weird. There's not very many women of color in my class. And so I felt, I don't know, not like alone, but like asking that question, like, oh, do I belong here? Or are there other people here that look at me? So then after you like commented on my post and then I Instagram stalked you and Instagram stalked the bundles, I was like, there are people here who look like me and like they have similar feelings to what I'm feeling. And um, we share a lot of like the same experiences and thoughts on a lot of these things. So I remember feeling just like really grateful for you guys. It was really that connection that kind of prompted me to want you on this particular episode with me. I think that a lot of the career paths or the passions that we choose in life, if there's something of our choice, they really align with kind of the way we grew up, kind of the way we see our world and like really focus on our identities, right? How our identities really shaped our presence in medicine and was it because of our identities that we even came here in the first place? Because I always wonder that question as well. Like, why did I choose this career path of medicine other than my love for science? Because it's science plus a whole other humanistic aspect, right? Medicine, it's just not science. I think I'll start out with asking you before I share my story of how you kind of have shaped your identities over the years. Yeah, so I identify as a Tongan, Latina, Native American female. That's evolved. I grew up, I'm from Utah County, so I'm also like part Caucasian. And so growing up in Utah County, I often would try to mask the brown side of me because I wanted to be like all my other classmates. I did competitive dance for years and all of them were white. And so I wanted to look like them. I wanted to act like them. And I was kind of not ashamed, but maybe like embarrassed of like my brownness just because I felt like I was so different and different isn't always welcome. And so that was something that was really hard. But as like I got older and then I got to my undergrad, I did my undergrad at BYU and I started to surround myself with more Polynesians and Pacific Islanders. I'll often reference like my Pacific Islander side, but the Pacific Islander community is very similar to the Latinx community. So like kind of draw parallels between both of them. But as I was there, I realized it's okay to be different. It's actually a really good thing to be different because we need different in this world. Growing up in a Pacific Islander Latinx community, I remember just thinking some of the things like we did, like I remember this trip when we went to Tonga with my dad, I remember my cousins asked, they said, oh, I really like your shoes. And 
Then I like looked at my dad and my mom and then my dad said, give them to her. And my dad like made me take them off and give it to her. And then later, like a jacket, like the same thing happened. And my dad would always make me give um, these things to my cousins or whatever. Oh, and my I, God. I totally relate to that. My Game Boy when I was 10, I had to give to my cousin in India when I went to go visit him. So I know. It hurts. Yeah, it does. When you're little, yeah, you're, and you don't understand those things when you're kids. I remember crying. I was like, I don't want to give up my shoes or just being a brat kind of. Um, but it's like those little experiences like that growing up that like made me realize, you know, things don't matter. Like people matter. The Tongan community, it's very like a we community. There's this proverb. It's like, or something. And it's about working collectively together and everything they do in the Tongan community. It's all like for the greater good which sounds some people are like that's communism but it's not it's always like you always do what's best for the community when they have a good harvest they share it with like the entire village and stuff and so that mindset has really shaped like who I am and some of the reasons that I've considered medicine like I think there's a lot of ways to make money if you want to go into medicine for money that's not really that good of a reason you need something a lot deeper like you said there's a humanistic side there's a scientific side even though I'm only a first year and people are like, you're so like optimistic, but I've listened to some of my classmates and talk about like insurance and the way that it shapes the way we practice medicine. But for me, it's always about the patient. It's always about what's best about the patient. And I think that stems back from those little things. It's because people matter more than things. People matter more than money. And a lot of that comes from growing up in a Pacific Islander Latinx community where you don't have a lot of things and you don't have a lot of money. You don't drive fancy cars, but we spend our money on each other and we do what's best for each other. And so that identities evolved as I've started to figure out who I am. That's really shaped like why I've decided to pursue this career in medicine. And there's not a lot of people who look like me. And so I know there's a need for someone like me to help the people that I love. You know, when you say that, I'm reminded a lot about my identities and how they've really shaped my career path in medicine. So I identify as a Sikh Punjabi American woman, right? For me, those identities have been complicated and have taken time to evolve and be shaped to what they are today. Um, so I specifically say I identify as Punjabi, although I was born in India, kind of just a historical fact, Punjab was split into Pakistan and India after the European settlers had left India and that nation was formed. For me, I have a deeper connection with Punjabis than I have Indians because our culture is very similar. I also feel like we had to go through this kind of historical trauma of being split in half and being split apart. So me, you know, identifying as Punjabi really, really helps me kind of reclaim that we were together and we will always stay together. Um, I also feel like in our communities, education is viewed a little bit different than the rest of the Indian communities. And um, that's kind of been a really big push for me to like want to further my education. I also share a similar viewpoint as UCLA, like from my Punjabi community, I've learned the power togetherness has and how if you pull resources and have that kind of sharing of resources, everyone can be and live much happier and healthier life. One thing that the American identity has taught me is um, the power of having choices for myself, too. So I always say that, like, I try to take the good values from each community that I'm a part of and try to shape who I am. 
I feel like growing up here, I've learned that my voice is important and that my choices are also important. And there's a way you can be selfish and selfless at the same time. I think that's kind of something that I learned growing up here. But I think the biggest thing that shaped my identity and community is growing up as a brown American. So what I'm saying is like having these kind of two identities with me, um, you know, being both Punjabi and being both American how and how that really shaped the way I viewed the world. To me, that meant a lot of changing my perspectives in different scenarios, you know? I don't know if you've ever had that feeling, but you're like, here I'm thinking as an American person or here I'm thinking as a Punjabi person, right? Yeah. And I've had that like shift of view often. And I think that really has kind of been a driving force of why I even chose medicine in the first place, because I like how we have to think about all the perspectives. Although you know that a lot of people do not. And I think I also went through this growth of healing for myself, being okay with being both identities. Because, you know, when you're younger, just like you, I also was like, I want to hide my brownness, right? Like I want to blend in, make it much simpler and easier on myself. But I think it was me like accepting that I was both that really like helped me heal as a person. It's that growth that I saw in myself that I like really am excited to see in my patients. And it might not be based on two identities, but in a way, it's like that process of healing is like recognizing what's going on, working on it and then moving forward. You know what I mean? So it's that whole process that I learned through both of my identities. My other drive for medicine, I think, is a lot of advocacy work. I think it's really important to be a lifelong learner and empower others. And I think that really drives from my religious identity. So I identify as Sikh and we believe our very first word in our book is it says Ikonkar, that there's one God and that God doesn't have no shape or form. It's everywhere and in everyone and in everything. Again, that whole like collectivism is kind of where I draw my inspiration from there. Like I was saying, my advocacy work, a lot of it drives from kind of that religious identity because I have always learned and been taught that if someone is facing injustice, you are also facing injustice because we're all collective person, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that was like a really big driving force for me in medicine. I That's something that's actually probably new to being in med school is like speaking up more and raising awareness. I think I didn't really develop that confidence in myself. Like I always felt like I'm just this random Tongan Latina girl. But um, it's really important to me. Like you said, I feel like now that I've gotten to a place where I feel like I can like empower other people of color to do similar things. That's really important to me. I feel like I'm the product of my community. Like you said, I grew up different family members taking care of me and and even my ancestors that came here from the islands and my dad, he's an immigrant himself. It's important for me to give back to those communities and be an advocate for them, especially for those who don't feel like they can be advocates for themselves. Because sometimes I feel like, I don't know if this is specific to the Pacific Islander community, but like as an immigrant, you're taught like, you know, you get here, you put your head down and you work and you do things even when you experience injustice. But like you said, when I see someone, a Tongan girl, a Latina woman, like experience some sort of injustice, it like hurts me because they are a part of my community. We are one. And so it's important, like we can't change the system, like the system's really broken, but we can start like on an individual level by empowering each other and by raising awareness. There won't ever be change and the system's not going to change on its own, but 
if you can start by making people aware and making people think about things like that alone is going to propel enough change for me to hope and believe that one day there will be, I don't know, where we feel equal. Yeah. And also, I think that it's very important that when I have that mindset of oneness, it also puts me with people that I'm angry at. Like, I don't like your views or the way you're saying something, but I always remind myself that these are my people too. Mm -hmm. We are a collective. Our world can only be better if we're all do better. We need to do this for everyone. I need to do it not only for my own identities. It is for everybody, right? And I think a lot of times people don't have that mindset. But I also always wonder, our racial identities kind of become the forefront of our identities in this professional medical school world, yeah. right? At home, my gendered identity is kind of the predominant identity that plays out. Do you have this? Is there some spaces where one identity is predominant. Yeah, there's a lot of like advocacy groups for women at the school. And I think they're really great. And I'm a part of that. And I always advocate for women. But when I'm at the school, I feel like I'm always advocating and pushing for people of color because that's the smaller minority. And I feel like that's who needs to be advocated for more. But when I'm at home, the Pacific Islander community, it's like a very male dominated society. And so sometimes when I feel like I'm in a family setting or even like with my husband's family, my husband is also Tongan. They'll be like, no, like, Siala, don't do that. Like, let Ofa do it. And I'm like, no, like I can do it just because I'm a girl doesn't mean like I can't do these things for myself. And so I feel like I'm always pushing and like dads often don't want to let their daughters go off to college. Like it's a really scary thing for them. They want their daughters to stay like close to them. Don't go far away. Let us like watch you. And so I feel like I'm I'm always been the push, but I'm grateful. My dad is, even though he grew up in Tonga, he's not very traditional. My dad's always been really empowering for women. He's always told me, like, since I was young, like, you're going to be a doctor and you can do it. And so I'm really grateful for my dad that he's adapted, like, some of the things, like, in the American culture in that way. But that's what is hard. Like, when I am in, like, a Pacific Islander environment, sometimes I feel like my voice is less heard as a female. When I speak, there will be family meetings, and it's, like, the males of the family are supposed to speak, not the females. And that can really bother me. And my husband sees that, but it's always, like, I want to be respectful of how we're running this event and to my culture. But also, like, I don't want to feel like I'm belittled because of my gender. And so... I see myself stirring the pot both at school for people of color and in my family for women. But I just feel like, you know, your voice will never be heard if you don't speak up. Things will never change if you don't push for change, like the way that our culture and society works in these different systems. So what I focus on is different depending on the environment that I'm in. But I feel like whatever's like the minority or whatever's being really oppressed in that setting, I feel like that's always what I have to like speak up about. My experiences are very parallel with that, too. I've talked numerous times on this podcast that my gender identity is kind of the predominant one at home, right? We also come from a very patriarchal society. Not to say that American culture is not like that either, because it is. It is, yeah. It is, right? But the thing is, I think the Punjabi culture is a little bit more out about it. Whereas the American society, it's interwoven into everything and you don't really see it, but it exists. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was younger, I'd always be like, oh, I hate that I'm born as a Punjabi. Like, this is how much like I really despised my identity. You know, it's not fair. Girls can't go to school. Like, you know, you when you're young, yeah. you're like, we just have to get married and have kids. But what if I don't want to do all those things? You know, like I was very 
upset. And I think it furthered me from my culture. It wasn't until I was much older, I realized these ideologies exist worldwide. But like my gender identity was kind of the focal point at home. Like I'm always speaking up as a woman, right? Yeah. Just just like you had just explained. And I think that kind of struggle was very hard and exhausting, but it also helped me develop a lot of resilience, oh, yeah. right? And that's another reason why this path of medicine, I was always like, I want to do it. I know it's hard, but I think I can do it. Because if I can go against my culture and like go into a field that is male dominated, I can make it in med school. Um, and then when I was at school, it was all about my race, me being a brown person. I don't think I recognized it that much when I was in West Valley and like going to junior high and high school there because it's predominantly brown. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I got to college and I realized that like I'm not always going to be surrounded by these people that have made me feel like home because we've kind of had these similar identities that I really have to be vocal about who I was. Yeah, it gets really exhausting sometimes right you know we're always like on the forefront ready to speak ready to talk you know then there's always those points i wish i was x i wish i was y i wish i was z and you know honestly i still say that to this day yeah because it's exhausting like you get so tired i've had like a few incidences lately where it's like i'm stirring over thinking about this thing that's really bothering me i hate that like this is impacting me so much and I wish that I was this other thing so that it wouldn't affect me so deeply and mm -hmm. that I could just walk away from it. And I wish I could just focus on school and just and or even just to have the choice to not worry about some of these things. I get tired of explaining to people and telling people over and over again why I'm upset about this thing or why what they said was inappropriate. And that can be really exhausting. But then like at the end of the day, I can't imagine like not saying anything like I couldn't live with myself. It's funny, like a lot of classmates talk about community like us and them like they talk about the community as if they're not a part of it mm -hmm. but when I think of myself I'm like I am the, the community. community yeah no I totally yeah. get that CLA I totally get that because sometimes even me like I'll see patients from like I'll literally hear the name West Valley and I'll see a patient from there and I'm like, oh, they're they're part of me like me. Me. Yeah. You know, it's not even like, oh, this is a patient who's from West Valley. <laughs> it's not some random person. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's hard because you are viewing the world a certain way and then you're also taught to view a certain the world a certain way, you know, and trying to get that to come together. Yeah. It's super difficult trying to fit into the world, but like you also don't like the way the world works. It's like this really challenging thing of like, how can I be successful within this world and this system, but also like still being true to who I am and like to my cultural identity and to the values that make me me. It's hard and it's disappointing and it's like a lot of work. But I think something you said earlier, too, is it's the effort of everyone. It's not like we can just change it. And sometimes I know it's out of ignorance, but it, it is exhausting. But I feel like it's really important to fight for our community, like you said. And this is like one of the biggest reasons why I promote um, higher education. Being educated doesn't isn't synonymous with, oh, you're smart, right? Because yeah. there's a lot of people who can't afford education, but they do brilliant things in the world. Yeah. But I feel like going to college really like helped me understand like who am I? Like, why do I care about these things? Why does how I grew up impact like the decisions I make today? Because I think that like when we're able to share our stories and our voices, people 
are able to understand where we're coming from and in a way that's, you know, bringing awareness just by the mere fact that we're speaking about who we are, Mm -hmm. right? And that's kind of the biggest premise, I think, of Bundle of Hers as well. We really wanted to push stories so people could understand others better. Yeah, like embracing who you are as an individual, like that's empowering. Whether you're brown or you're white, that's a really empowering thing. Right. You can come to terms with who you are and what you represent. That gives you a lot of purpose and direction. And it keeps that fire going, even though it's always about to die (laughs) in medical school. Even though it's dim, it's it's there. We try to fuel it here and there by having these type of conversations, but it's rough, man. It's rough, but I'm here. You're going to get there. We're all going to get through this together. You know, you reached out to me as a first year and like I've noticed you go out of your way to find like people who look like you or who are experiencing similar things as you. And like, why? Why do you do that? It's an exhausting thing. So why do you like continue to like keep doing that? I'm very intentional when I do that. You know, in the beginning, I was afraid to say that publicly because it's like, you know, I'm seeking out all the brown people. Right. But now I'm really proud of that fact. I think the reason I do it is because it's exhausting and it's maybe a selfish reason, but I need people with me who can support me in that. I think a lot of people don't realize that day in and day out, I'm challenged all the time. So it's important for me to have the other side where you get that support. Mm -hmm. Not to say when I hang out with Lean and Bushra, (laughs) we challenge each other day in and day out. And like Margo, you know, we're always like questioning each other. Mm -hmm. But. I think that exhaustion or that frustration sometimes that happens when you are a person of color, it just feels like home when you can talk about that with other people that are like you because you don't have to explain the context of things. Yeah, you don't have to explain like why that was so offensive or yeah. Exactly. And I think for me, you just want people to know that I see you and I hear you and I love you medicine or going to school is more than just going to school but it's also a place where we can build relationships like our everyday life how boring would everyday life be if i just went to school to learn right we're here (laughs) we're here to develop like connection like every day is me developing connections with humans in this world and that's what I feel like it means to be human. Mm -hmm. I feel like they need me and I need them. Another reason I do it is because I feel like a lot of brown people are scared to like be vocal about that. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. they won't go out of their way to hang out with other people that are like them because they don't want the people in the majority to be like, oh, can you believe like they're all hanging out together? We're even afraid to make the majority uncomfortable. Yeah. So that's the reason why I do it, because I feel like everyone wants to hang out together, but they're just afraid to take that step. So why don't I just take that step? Well, it's not you're like it's selfish reasons, but it's not selfish because everyone needs like a support system. So that's why I love talking to my classmates. It doesn't matter if they're brown, white, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I love talking to everyone because it's my way of strengthening my connections with others to have a more fulfilling life, but also to apply that to my patients in the future. That's why I like always try to push to have these conversations because it's not like I'm doing this because I think they're racist or anything like that. It's so that it can prevent or that they're prepared in the future when they are faced with it. Like, I hope that when I graduate and when I leave here, that I can trust every single one of my patients, like that I could send my grandma or my husband to them and know they're going to get the treatment that they need, you know, or they're going to make a connection and they're not going to 
just get pushed off to the side because they're brown. That's what's like hard to you walk around the hospital. I feel like that's something that was really different for me is when I thought of doctor, I thought of white and a white male. powerful male. Yeah. And even like walking around the hospital, you know, like that's who you see as doctors. But like just knowing that we're changing that by like being here, like we're changing those demographics and like the demographics are going to change eventually. And hopefully one day look like our patient population. Yeah. And wouldn't that be so beautiful? And I feel like we're all working towards that making our workforce look like the patients we treat yeah and i think like you said it's important i feel like it's important that we start here with our own classmates yeah okay so one thing that i love asking everyone that we invite onto this podcast what is the legacy that you want to leave behind it would be to empower other people like women of color, people of color. Like I want to help a lot of people in the medical world, but also I want to help the generations that come after me to feel empowered and feel they can do it because they've seen me do it. Like if I can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think I see the way you spoke about your identities and how important it is to like honor your ancestors, keeping that history alive as yeah. future generations go. Exactly. So I think that's so cool. Um, well, it was so great talking to you. Yeah. It was also great talking about myself. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> okay. Next week, tune into Lean's episode for her identity series. Okay. Wow. I ended with, it was great talking to you and talking about myself. So I think you can just. So funny. Did you have fun? Yeah, it was fun.